This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. back in the saddle and ready to share some punditry on this thirstiest of Thursdays. And as always, I'm joined here this Thursday by my good buddy, Justin Labar. Justin, welcome back to the Winkley. I'd like to do a search and find how many times the word Moxley has been typed uh, in the last uh, week. Dude, it is a lot. There is a lot of Mox talk going on. We're going to get to that Mox talk here. We got a Brock box. We got Mox talk. We got a lot of things going on this week in the world of wrestling. And yeah, we, uh, we are going to dive deep into that big explosive John Moxley, Chris Jericho interview here in just one minute. But a couple things I want to let you know before we start. Of course, you're listening to the show Wrestling Inc. Audio. This has been a blowaway week for us listenership-wise. I know there's been a lot of uh, news dropping, but we've also, I mean, you know, Justin, people said some nice things about our show yesterday over on the Twitter sphere. You, you know, they, they seem to really like Tricky Dick Dixon. He's a popular character. And I'm ashamed that you didn't bring it up to Triple H today. I should have. I was like, you guys signing Tricky Dick? You signing him? Anyway, he does dick tricks. Fox, re- Fox requests Tricky Dick. <laughs> None of this. We're moving past this. I won't go down this rabbit hole again. Uh, but if you like Damn. this show, if you like this show, if it makes you laugh, if it makes you think, head on over to our iTunes page, a five-star rating, and a nice comment to compliment this week to just be like, here's a dollar in your hat on the street, you crazy wrestling buskers. Uh, go over to the iTunes page. That's all we ask. Leave a nice note. Uh, also, tomorrow I'll be back with another video version of the Winkley. It'll be Raj Geary and I. Uh, we are going to be over on the Ringside Wrestling app, 2 p.m. Central. It's free to download the Ringside Wrestling app. Go download it. You can see Raj and I face-to-face. Uh, this is a big day. Of course, uh, I know you all want to hear us talk about Moxley, the Jericho interview. We are, Like I said, we're going to do that. But I listened to the interview myself, and at the end of the interview, Moxley said the name of the former Deathmatch wrestler that was responsible for filming the infamous Prison Break video that he did and is now known uh, that he did the Time's Up video for New Japan Pro Wrestling as well that has also been really well received. That Deathmatch wrestler, his name is Nick Mondo. He is now a filmmaker out in Hollywood. And he woke up early today to spend a half hour with me 
diving in deep about working with John Moxley on putting those videos together. So here after the news, you're going to get to hear from the man himself today. This is I don't think you could get any more on brand, on point, uh, timely than having this Nick Mondo interview here today right after our Moxley Jericho talk. I cannot wait for you guys to hear this one. It is a banger. Uh, but not only that, are you going to get all this news today with Justin and I? You're going to get to hear from Nick Mondo himself. You're going to get to hear from two other fast-rising names in the world of pro wrestling. You probably know the last name, but you may not have seen them wrestle yet. It's Ross and Marshall Von Eric. They are here talking to our own Scott Fishman today. Of course, they're going to be talking about joining MLW, and they're going to talk about the uh, Dark Side of the Ring episode about the last of the Von Erics, their dad out in Hawaii, the tragedies the family's been to. I'm Lavar. this is a banger of an episode today. There's a lot going on. Yeah, this is a definitely a main event episode. Great gets uh, for the Winkley. Yeah, excellent gets. And you know, the biggest get of all is you, Justin. It's you. It's always been you. Well, that's kind of you to say. <laughs> It's true. I meant that. It came across dickish, but I meant that. Tricky dickish dickish. I'm not getting into this. All right. Let's get to it. I was going to say, I can can see your face when you're saying it. I don't know how sincere it was. Let's get to it. News you can use. News that'll leave a bruise. Uh, We are starting off here today with this John Moxley, Chris Jericho interview. Now, yesterday when I had uh, sat down to do the show with Justin, you had not heard this interview at all. I had listened to maybe about the first 30, 45 minutes of it. I've listened to the whole thing since then. I didn't even ask you before we went live, but Justin, did you take some time yesterday to indulge in this bit of audio? I've heard, I've heard, I've actually heard his voice and heard some of it. I have not listened to all of it. I have read, though, extensive transcripts. I think I probably have read probably the complete list of highlights okay well we're going to get into to many of the highlights here um and this by the way uh, in about 10 hours time became the most listened to episode of talk is jericho ever so a lot of interest around this particular interview and uh we'll get to uh let's start here you know he starts to talk about well first of all of course he you know puts puts over the wwe send him out on the road getting to help him live his, his fantasies and his wildest dreams and then he says all right great let's bury this company here for the next hour and a half, which is largely what kind of happened here. Um, now, he talks about being frustrated with WWE's creative process in, in general. You know, I'm not going to go blow by blow here, but in general, being frustrated by the fact that there are too many writers, you're getting scripts that make no sense, you have to wait outside Vince McMahon's door for an hour to talk to him if you have a problem with something. And, uh, you know, there were a lot of things he was said uh, he was told to do and say in about the last year of his, his time at WWE that he just felt really uncomfortable with. Uh, all the stuff about telling the fans how dirty they were, uh, saying stuff that he didn't think was cool, you know, ragging on Roman Reigns' real-life battle with cancer, which he said he hated having to do. Uh, it pulled uh, Vince McMahon pulled a mental Jedi mind trick on him to, to get him to do it, which, which he regrets. Uh, so he was genuinely not enjoying a lot of the booking that he... Uh, was getting there uh, a lot of the booking that we were all being kind of critical about as well out in the, the pundit sphere sounds like he was also not enjoying it from the inside but the one sketch that broke him justin the sketch that broke him was he woke up one day and he got a a text message from one of the writers that said they're gonna give you a shot in the butt to uh, to prevent you from getting rabies from the fans and he said he hated that and he and he went back and forth with them all day and ultimately they, they made him do it and he said the fact that he was broken and agreed to do it that was the day he had decided that he was not going to be re-signing his WWE contract when it came up. And this was about July of 2018. So before we get uh, into any more deeper notes, um, very very hard to listen to a talent talk about uh, being that frustrated and being you know, forced to do things 
that he says made him uncomfortable. I mean, does any of this surprise you, Justin? Uh, no, I mean that segment that he's referring to that kind of broke him. The, you know, the kind of like that. I mean that that it's so bad that it is memorable. I remember it, uh, unfortunately. Um, you know, his all of his comments. Well, number one, it, it puts the things in perspective. You know, I, I was um, you know for those who followed you know chair shot reality and you know I, I was you know 2011 2012 I was just constantly waiting and waiting for you know who we knew as Dean Ambrose to to finally get to Raw or SmackDown and and a pretty and, you know loved his work and and, and just how deep of a personality he was as John Moxley prior to his, you know, FCW days. And, you know, obviously the shield had a great debut, but as things went on, especially as he, you know, went into a singles career, you know, he had a, had a WrestleMania match against Brock, which was very underwhelming. You know, I, I've always kept thinking, man, this just, is just, this just is not what I thought it would be. This is just not the, the Dean Ambrose slash John Moxley, you know, and this, so it puts in perspective hearing him get to speak so honestly about why it wasn't, you know, where, you know, where all the shortcomings were, where all the disconnect was. I, I love the analogy of, you know, he is the Mentos to, to Vince McMahon's, you know, Diet Coke mm-hmm. um, and the explosion, you know, and the other thing is, and I know that pretty much across the board, whether, whether any of us in the wrestling media have said it on Twitter uh, or whether we have just talked amongst ourselves via phone calls, texts, and emails, but it seems like, and I don't know. I actually even haven't asked you, so I'll ask you. Um, and I'm going to imagine that you're probably going to join the group in this. It seems like every single one of us who have talked to any talent that is in WWE, I, it seems like we're all getting the same response, which is, yeah, we can't argue with anything he's saying. Yeah, no, uh, you know, and that is, uh, you know, we had the wrestle votes. Uh, they took to Twitter after this uh, interview went out. They said, for what it's worth, I've talked to several people connected to WWE regarding the Moxie Jericho podcast. They all agree with Mox. He's not saying anything that anybody's not thinking. One quote I got was, it's all true, it's a mess, and it's not changing anytime soon. Vince is Vince. Ugh. I mean, if you're I mean, if you're a talent, AEW's out there, and you see, you know, guys making money on the the indies like they are and, and New Japan, it I mean, this this just sounds like the most toxic of spaces right now. I really worry uh for WWE's retention rate with talent at this very moment. If they don't if they don't make some kind of big concerted move to to plug the holes in the ship. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I look. Obviously, AEW only is going to have so many spots. You know, they can't take everybody. Um, but yeah, I mean, absolutely. It seems like, you know, while you know money is at at its height, profit wise for WWE, um, revenue wise, um, yeah, it just seems like morale is just kind. Of, and, and, and you know, and I know Moxley says it, and and, and I, I I I think we all would agree with this. The, the, WWE has one of the best rosters they've ever had in terms right. of in terms of the depth of talent. It's just how they're being used. Yeah, no, a hundred percent on that. You know, uh, the wrestling observer here also chiming in on what we were just talking about, saying uh, a number of talent are actually looking to leave WWE. Some of which would shock you, apparently. Uh, so on that note, back to this uh, this interview here. Moxley apparently told Vince and Hunter, uh, "It doesn't matter how many zeros you want to put down on a piece of paper. I'm not resigning." And thus began uh, his weird slow exit from wwe so moxley you know explicitly says here he didn't want to just walk out on the company first of all that's just not the way he likes to do business um you know he didn't want to lose any of his uh you know residuals or anything like that from from his deal by by violating his contract but more importantly said he just didn't want to create a weird work space environment for his wife renee young who still works there i mean justin how bizarre has it got to be for her to be there right now, knowing all of this is out in the the, the public ether? Well, it's certainly, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I got to imagine, you know, it seems like she's pretty well liked by those, especially the people that she directly works with, you know, Michael Cole, Corey, you know, Corey Graves, they all 
you know, genuinely do enjoy her and, um, you know, I've been, you know, mentors to her in, in the broadcasting <clears throat> capacity. Um, you know, I, I'm sure, I'm sure when she's walking in the halls, I'm sure that there, there might be a little bit of, you know, what are they saying? What are they saying when, when I walk away? What are they whispering? I mean, but, it, you know, maybe, and I, I think that's probably what it was maybe in during the time period of, you know, from like January on, like once we knew that, like he had said that he's, you know, once it became public that he was not, um, that he was not sticking around, I can imagine it might've been awkward then, but you know, I got to imagine for her now, and this is just, again, all of us imagining, I don't, you know, can't speak for what she's actually feeling, but I'd have to think now, now that it seems like from what we've just gathered that you know, a lot of talent there internally are just kind of like, yeah, this guy's going out and saying, you know, what we can't come out and say, yeah, um, yeah, you know, she's, yeah. she might be, it might be like a little bit of like, she might have, you know, just dropped her shoulders and a little relaxed and they all might be kind of just giving her like the quiet thumbs up. Um, you know, I, you know, I don't know. I think other than maybe, maybe other than, you know, if, if these comments have gotten back to Vince, I think maybe Vince would be the only person that might be awkward to be around. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing though, is, you know, on her end, you know, Moxley talks at length in this uh, interview too, about how he started to really feel depression. You know, he didn't feel he was like clinically depressed, but he felt like lethargic because he had really lost his love of pro wrestling. And, you know, there were days he didn't want to go to the gym or get off the couch or anything like that. And for Renee to watch your husband have to go through that and know that it's not getting better. I, I mean, I don't want to say she, you know, has negative feeling towards the company there, but it would be hard for me to ignore that, she, you know, she, she may not have some feeling towards the company for putting her husband through this. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, man, I mean, you know, we, we've, We've seen more and more over the years. Uh, we've seen more and more couples, uh, you know, get you know, stay together and get married in, in WWE. I mean, literally, actually, if you look at the roster, it's kind of stunning. The, the, the high percentage of the amount of the amount of the talents that are linked romantically. Um, but we've never, not that I can really think of, we've never really had as high profile of a couple in terms of you know, Renee Young is one of the you know the the hosts of you know one of the you know three in the booth for for Monday Night Raw, and obviously Dean Ambrose is. You know, one of the top talents. We've never seen a high-profile go go bad on one end. You know, I mean, Dan O'Brien retired and kind of went and sat at home for a little bit um, in, in between his uh, active duty for WWE. But, you know, but it wasn't like he he didn't like, you know, he didn't go he didn't leave the company and then go do a shoot interview about what was wrong. You know, so this is a this is a really really unique situation all, all around. It's it's it's, it's you know, pretty unprecedented for this this day and age of podcasts and social media where the talent can speak on the platform like a talkish Jericho and garner the biggest numbers ever. Well, they didn't really do anything with Renee differently this past Monday night after Moxie had debuted at Double or Nothing. But this was also the Memorial Day episode. I think it was the second lowest viewership of the year or something like that. But they never really traditionally do very well on holidays anyways. I mean, still not good, right? Uh, but, you know, I don't know that they were going to do anything that week. Uh, I do wonder now, especially that this interview is out there, uh, if, 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 anything, if they do anything with her, I don't know what that means, good or bad, on Monday night. You know what I mean? Well, I was going to say, I mean, what, what, do you, what, what could you, I mean, you know, I mean, I mean, there is such a thing as HR, right? I mean, they can't just, I mean, what, you know, what, what is there to do? I mean, you know, it's, she's not making the comments, you know, I mean, it's, it's not, you know, I mean, what is there to do? She's do, as long as she's doing her job and performing the way that she's supposed to perform this, this, you know, they should be treated as two separate, you know, I mean, they should, well, you know, should. I bet they have her say a lot of things like Vince McMahon is the strong creative foundation that keeps this train on the tracks. Yeah, I mean, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess we can pay attention to see if she, if it sounds like she's starting to get fed lines that don't sound. That, I mean, yeah, I don't know. It, it is. I mean, again, this is unprecedented. It's it's really unprecedented. Um, but like I said, I think it's probably maybe a little bit easier for her now as a whole now that he's, 
now that you know her husband is gone, like I said, it's probably a little bit of a relief. At least it's gone, and you know maybe the awkwardness has passed. He's with another company. It is what it is. Um, again, I guess it would just be what it's like with Vince. And uh, you know, does Vince hold any hold any heat? You know, pass any heat over to her from from her husband's comments. Yeah, it's it's just it's funny to me listening to this interview where Moxie's talking about Vince McMahon's like love of prop comedy, right? Like, you know, the giant syringe, you know, everything, you know, the mask, you know, it's it's always something. And then I started thinking about how Sami Zayn, the AEW segment he did uh, on Monday night. It's like you could have just sent Sami Zayn out there to go be a badass and take fan, uh, questions from the audience and like be himself, but you had, but they just decided to strap him in an electric chair for seemingly no good goddamn reason, other than the fact that I guess it aesthetically maybe kind of added something to it. But th- that's the kind of stuff where it's like half of one, two dozen of another. It doesn't really seem to pan out. It does, there, there's a lot of confusion there. Right? You tell me about an electric chair segment. I mean, I. It was, <laughs> You know what? What is what does that mean? I, it would have been more appropriate to call it the heat seat. The heat, hot seat. Uh, I know something. Oh, the heat seat. That's brilliant. That's good. You know, light, 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 you know, light, 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 light the ring on fire. Light a fire around the the, the damn seat or something. Yeah, I was, I was expecting Abdullah the butcher to get toasted myself. And right, then... that, and that's and that's the gif that everybody had all night as we were on Monday leading up to that damn segment. Was that's all you could think about? Was you know Abdullah the butcher and in, in a Halloween havoc in the late eighties getting. Or war, whatever it was, getting getting electric, getting electrocuted. Yeah. So you know, Mox, back to this interview here. You know, he talked about when he went down with injury before he came back at, at like SummerSlam. You know how he uh, had really started to try to fall in love with pro wrestling again. He was watching Ring of Honor. He's watching all this Japanese wrestling. And then you know his return came out. It was pretty flat return form. There was nothing too creative about it. And you know, again, he had decided that he was going to make his exit. And you know, shortly after, let them let them know. So l- during his exit here, this weird exit, a couple of things happened uh first of all they, they had him lose to ec3 on tv and and you know he said i like ec3 he's a great talent i i enjoy working with him um in this match dean was supposed to be the ba- the the heel ec3 was supposed to come across as the baby face um but it was just so transparent what they were trying to do here he thought i mean he said to the fans it was so transparent what they were trying to do um that you know they cheered him and booed ec3 and apparently the wrestling observer uh, reporting that EC3 has been punished ever since on WWE TV for not getting over in the match as a babyface. Of course, the next week on Raw, even as Moxley was losing, he did beat EC3 there. Um, you know, I, I get it, I guess, but I'm with Dean on this or John on this one where it's like they put EC3 behind the eight ball here. I don't know how you could expect a guy to get, especially the way that EC3 has been presented. It's kind of a dick. What? How's he going to get over as a babyface here? Right. I mean, here's here's Dean Ambrose, who, you know, is, again, one third of your uh, of your hot faction in the shield. And never mind if he's trying to say that the that uh, he's going to he's, he's not going to get rabies from the smelly crowd or never mind if he, you know he's trying to do everything he can, you know, uh, you know, eye rakes and, and, and whatever heel tactics. But he's still the guy that everybody knows that the, that the people have cheered. And again, he's in one of your most marketable trios in the last 10 years. And then you have EC3, who, yeah, all EC3's ever been presented as is here is this top one percenter who's better. I mean, that what does that what does that imply right there? Top one percent. He's better than ninety nine percent of you guys, and he's and he's he's got the he's got the young smug Randy Orton kind of vibe to him. Like, like, what did you think was going to happen? Of course, <laughs> Ambrose is going to be cheered, and of course, the top one percenter is going to be booed. I feel like this is just an excuse for them to just, they, I, you know, they, it doesn't seem like they really liked EC3 much coming in. I feel like this is a chance to put him in a position and create a reason 
to to give a backstage heat in a way, you know? Well, you know, and, and he's an interesting person, EC3, in the sense of um, you wonder, because we hear all these things about WWE and about Vince specifically, and, you know, then interviews like this from 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 Moxley fuel these, these tales of, of Vince McMahon and how he operates. I, I think everybody had been wondering ever since EC3 came to NXT. Here's this guy who was in the original NXT as Derek Bateman, and he was just, you know, didn't didn't really have there really wasn't really wasn't much to him. He was just Derek Bateman, a you know, a good looking in shape kid, but not uh, that was it. You know, and then he leaves, and then he goes and really made a name for himself in Impact and and, and wrestling other places, and, and, and developed a persona as, as Ethan Carter III, and then developed a look and a style, and he worked with, you know, he worked with all the different people he did work with, uh, and then comes and gets to take that name and next, you know, I think I heard a lot of people wondering, uh, a lot of us wondering, you know, okay, how's how is that going to be received? Because we sometimes hear about, you know, guy, you know, is it always welcomed? I guess, again, mainly by Vince. Is it always welcomed that somebody that that didn't do anything for him goes out and, and makes something of themselves and then WWE brings them back? You know, like, you know, so I, I, I think I think the fact that it's EC3 that got put in this position is, is very intriguing to me based upon his history. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And yeah, I'm with you. EC3 and Impact, especially when he was with Dixie Carter, there was some really great stuff. You know, there's a lot of potential there with him. And, you know, I wonder if he doesn't I wonder if he doesn't wind up like Tyler Breeze back in NXT here by the end of the year. And it would be ironic, I feel like, if that happened, because he really didn't have much of an NXT run to begin with. You know, he wasn't put on many takeovers. He never really had a a great feud in NXT. So very, uh, you know, a lot of talent gets bungled these days one way or another in wwe but i i think he's the I, all of them i think he's been bungled the absolute worst you gotta wonder how many talents are quietly wishing that they could go to nxt yeah it's everybody's now dean uh, now everybody's john moxley in the prison cell putting their slashes on the wall right like that's that's the inside of the locker room at the moment um well uh also on the road to his exit from wwe uh, he one night showed up and found out that he was going to be getting beat up by Nia Jax. He's like, I immediately knew what they were doing, and I didn't care because I think Nia's great, and I love her, and I have no problem working with her. Apparently, they had a good time putting the segment together, and then after Nia got her hands on him, the crowd started chanting, let them fight, um, and, and really got into it. Now, this was supposed to lead to, I guess, him losing to Nia Jax a couple times on the road, but uh, you know the matches got pulled here from all these house shows that they never manifested and i i gotta believe here that they were looking for this guy to look bad and regardless the fans seem to really like what he was doing so they're like ah, we gotta we gotta stop this isn't working this isn't punishing him it's helping him it's helping no him. i think it's i think it's exactly the way you worded it's yeah this is this is not you know we we, we want to make him feel miserable that he's leaving we're gonna have him lose to a, a woman and the the you know the, the fans were like wow we don't normally see intergender stuff in wwe and it's it's becoming a little more popular and prevalent in, in, in other promotions. And so, hey, we're going to see something pretty cool here. We're going to see the largest in physical stature, you know, woman in the women's division up against, uh, you know, the, the the crazy Dean Ambrose. This could be fun. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I think they realized immediately, like, oh, this this actually might help this stock. Let's, we got to stop this. I love that WWE's attitude is like, no, the fans are enjoying it. Stop. Stop it. No. We could make money on this. Don't do this. Ugh. Anyway, uh, he also noted that he didn't know why WWE put out the press release about him leaving. Very, very un, uh, unlike them to do this with any other talent. They'd never done it before. The fact that they had never done it before, he took that as a compliment. Now, we talked about this a little bit yesterday on the show, Justin, but I've actually listened to the uh, the excerpt here now where he's talking about it. And he simply thinks it was just WWE's way of trying to get ahead 
of the narrative. They don't want people out there talking about their company or one of their talents in a way that is not structured uh, by them, you know? Right. And that's, you know, that's, that's what I said yesterday. I thought it was just, it's just a very classic basic PR move. Try to get ahead of the story. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, lastly, you're coming out of this, um, you know, or one of the last things I want to say coming out of this, he did reveal that for his final shield special, um, you know, he purposely gave himself like an exit strategy because he thought that they maybe were going to screw him on the way out the door. So he did like a couple casino references, cashing in my chips, uh, that kind of deal, you know, maybe thinking already about making that move to double or nothing in AEW. Um, but he revealed that, you know, everything went fine, but they only paid him the bare minimum you can get paid for a house show, which is $500 for his final appearance. And he thought about calling him and being like, what's up with this? But he was like, whatever, this is it. I get it. Took the money and literally ran out the door. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, that's, you know, yeah, I mean, I mean, certainly he's worth more than $500 for a, uh, for a show, but if, if he's spending eight months saying, I don't care how many zeros you put on my contract, I'm not staying. And then his last business request is give me more money for this last house show. That's, that's really kind of, uh, it just doesn't mesh. Uh, so there is more to it. He does talk about the videos, but since we have Nick Mondo here coming up in a bit, talk going diving in deep about working with Mox on the videos they did. Uh, we'll just let that speak for itself. Um, uh, but definitely if you haven't had a chance, go find the John Moxley, Chris Jericho interview, uh, it is, you know, right up there with the CM Punk, uh, Colt Cabana interview. And of course we all saw how that one played out, but I, I don't know. What do you get? I don't get the vibe. There's like any legal action that's going to be taken from anything that, that was said during this podcast. Yeah. I mean, I have to go back and like I said, I want to have to listen to the full thing, but yeah, I mean, Punk went on a, Punk had a whole chapter of, you know, just talking about you know, medical malpractice and, and, yeah. and, and what have you. I mean, yeah, this just sounds like. Yeah, their creative sucks, which, uh, you know, that's not uh, that's that's perfectly legal to say. Well, I mean, but, does you know, before we get to the next bit here, though, I mean, does anything change? I mean, if this doesn't grab you, shake you, pour water in your face, smack you around to try to wake you up. I mean, what what the hell will? Well, but you, it's all a matter of it's a matter of who could who could frame this to Vince. You know whether it, whether whether it was his it, whether it's his, his his daughter or, or Triple H or Bruce Pritchard or it, it's it's a matter of okay first off who else who else in a circle close to him believes that there is a problem who else sees that the you know validity in what John Moxley is saying and what possibly a lot of the other talents are feeling first off who believes it and who can frame it in a way to make it seem like it's worth correcting events you know can they frame and say events you know, this could be this could lead to you know a lot of lost talent and this and that and 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 and, and it's just but you know vince's reaction again we, we again we he's such a he's such a larger than life figure and we hear so many tales from you know again how how he would react to a guy like an ec3 going and being successful somewhere else to tales of he hates people sneezing i mean he's just such a he's just such a bizarre figure it just you he could simply say well i don't get you know john you know I, I've been doing this company for 30 plus years. Every talent is replaceable. They come and go. This is a big machine. We're still making a lot of money. You know, I mean, and that could be simply his thought where it's like, you know, he's not going to lose sleep, the little sleep he apparently does ever get over, again, one talent. And he's had how many talents in 30 years over one talent who's disgruntled and sane on the air? He, you know, he might say, well, you know, the rest of these people might feel it here, but they're still here because I'm paying. I mean, you know, it's just. You know, we, we, we keep asking when are things going to change and what's going to wake Vince up and what's it going to be. But, you know, even, you know, even 
even with pressure of you know Fox or USA saying, hey, we want Roman on both shows, or hey, we want more spontaneity with titles, he still has again a billion dollars coming from Fox. He's still he's still a top commodity for USA. So it's like, what things does he choose to sweat over? And I just don't know if there's anything. It would take us. It would take a serious hit in money. And they're kind of positioned so securely right now with Saudi, with the way they get revenue out of out of the, the people who still do watch. I just don't know what it would be other than a severe financial hit. What could really urge him to ever change? Because he survived for this many years and saw this much come and go. I just don't think he sweats this kind of stuff the way we all dive into. Yeah, well, you know, and like you said, it, it would have to be a big financial hit or something like that. I will say that I'm looking at the WWE stock price right now. So April 23rd, this is a, a little over a month ago. The stock was at $99.25. As of today, a month later, it is at $72.51. That is a 20, uh, $26 drop in the price of the stock. Uh, and if you own millions of shares, that's a ton of money, right? And I think, sure. it, you know, and and... Again, you know, you kind of look at the, if you look at, you know, the whole year, how the stock kind of goes up and down. They're still kind of I mean, they're they're low on their year end range, but they're within their range. They haven't gone below. This isn't the lowest point they've had in the last year, but it is, I believe, one of the sharper drops that they've seen. And I just, you know, you can make all the excuses you want. You can tap dance around it. But the bottom line is if your creative product isn't strong and your audience, the the older fans that kind of know what's going on here or even telling their younger brothers or their kids or their parents that have little kids and they start to develop their own opinions of the product, you know, based off of social issues, based off the fact that they know that the talent is unhappy there and they feel bad for the talent. You're creating so many issues here all at once. I could just see fans clicking the TV off for the summer and waiting for AEW to roll around. Well, I mean, I do think, you know, as, if, if, you know, I do think there's something to the point of, you know, yeah, I mean, there's still the casual, there's still the casual, you know, there's still the kids that are showing up that aren't aware of all this, that, that just consume whatever they see on TV or whatever the parents let them watch. Obviously, they're going to show up and they're going to be happy to cheer Roman and buy the merch. But I will say, yeah, the more and more things like John Moxley's situation and his, his, um, you know, interview on Jericho's podcast and the more and more, you know, talent who go to Twitter and talk about wanting their release or, or the Sasha Banks of the world who want to sit home and who, you know, and are apparently at a, at a, at a, you know, a stalemate with the company, the more and more that does seep to the audience and we get more AEW chance, we get more chance that are revolting or vocalizing and shining light on the morale issue. Yeah. That maybe, you know, maybe it's that, you know, maybe it's, you know, Vince supposedly is, sitting there listening to how the crowd reacts to matches and how they react to things and, and who's whatever. I mean, maybe that, maybe that is something that says, you know, almost maybe that's something that, that's, that's up there next to a financial where he doesn't want to have, he doesn't want to be going to arena full of people who are looking at him as the enemy. I, I don't know. It, it's again, the guy's been doing it for so long and he's had such success. It's hard. To, it's really hard to pinpoint what would truly shake him to shake things up in a dramatic fashion. The last time it happened really was, you know, not in the Monday Night Wars, and 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 he didn't have the financial um, stability that he has now as, as a private, you know, privately owned company, as a privately owned company. Then, so again, I, I don't know. It's 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 you know, it's hindsight twenty twenty and all that. It is interesting to think if Nitro had been on like a Wednesday night, right, and had just been doing kill a killer product, would all those fans have also tuned in on Monday night for another product, or was it the fact that they chose to go head to head? that actually drove Vince to create a better product and become competition to them genuinely, you know? Yeah. I mean, the more, you know, if, if the NFL was not on 
Monday nights, the more and more I'm watching how things are unfolding and we watch, you know, Cody Rhodes, you know, take the sledgehammer to the throne. And we, you know, I thought it was kind of crazy when, when, you know, when we found out officially that it was going to be TNT a few weeks ago. I was like, ah, oh, there's no way they'll go head to head. And more and more, it kind of feels like AEW almost relish saying, you know what, we are just going to go after them right now while, while you know, but but I think, I don't think Tony Khan wants to go up against yeah, I know. the NFL and Monday Night Football. So, yeah, yeah. that's what he said as not well. That, not, not, not that they couldn't, not that they couldn't hold their own potentially, but I don't think since his business is also in the NFL, I don't think he wants to do, to, do, to, to muddy things up like that. I, I'm, I'm a hundred percent with you there. I, you know, and that's the thing is, again, I go back to the quote from Tony Khan from the media scrum after for double or nothing, where he said, you know, everybody here is in this for different reasons. We're all trying to get different things out of it. And so while probably, yeah, 90% of your roster might just be like, let's do this balls to the wall, head to head. Tony Khan's like, you know, still got his interest involved here too. And I think maybe be the one, uh, pushing the brakes on that or we know he is um so with that though you know we've talked a lot about you know who could be the one to wake up vince mcmahon here about this uh we talked about hunter triple h guess what hey justin we talked to hunter earlier today we were on the uh, nxt media call for takeover 25 with triple h and uh, i had a chance to ask a couple of questions we're gonna get to my questions here in just a second we'll, we'll talk about them but i'm gonna lead off this here right now since we are talking all the AEW stuff i believe it was jason powell who uh, who asked uh, Triple H about this? It is about if uh, you know Cody Rhodes, the the bashing of the throne. His comment about AEW, the Hall of Fame, is this uh, jabbing back and forth between company, quote unquote, you know, best for business. Also, you took some jabs at AEW at the Hall of Fame. They fired back on their show. NXT has been pretty straightforward when it comes to avoiding things like that. Could that change though? And do you feel like back and forth jabs are good for business on both ends? Uh, you know, look, Hall of Fame, uh, to me, there was, there were a moment, you know, when Billy's there, it's, it's, there's kind of sort of this moment where if you don't sort of say there's an elephant in the room, everybody sort of goes, well, how come they didn't mention the elephant in the room? Um, it was nothing more than that, you know, and, and, and to be honest with DX, if you don't do that, then we're sort of kind of not doing what we do. And trust me, a lot of that also was not necessarily laid out and planned and, uh, things kind of just went along. So, um, what they are, uh, you know, for me, I, I, I don't really even think about it, to be honest, for me, uh, when it comes to this takeover, I just want to put out the best product possible. I'm not focused on anybody else. I'm not thinking about anybody else's creative or what they said or didn't say or anything else. To me, I'm focused on, you know, th this this Saturday at TakeOver 25, I'm focused on this Saturday, TakeOver 25, and the brand and making everybody bigger stars coming out of it, putting on the best show we possibly can for fans and uh, and continuing to grow the brand. Yeah, a little bit of tap dancing there from Triple H. You know, I got to keep it in my zone here. I'm just trying to to make NXT takeovers great. And you know, I I genuinely believe that. You know, I think that that's his happy place there in NXT. And you know, you could have AEW over here. You could have Vince doing all the stuff with WWE. And, and granted, Hunter, it sounds like has to be involved in what Vince is doing. But I think that he would be perfectly content with his own little model train set that is NXT. That's all he wants. I don't really think he cares either way about what Vince or Cody are doing right now, as long as he's got his clay to work with yeah i mean i think i believe him in the sense of the nxt is his happy place i believe him that you know as long as uh, 
as long as NXT remains his and, you know, Vince doesn't start coming in and changing creative things in NXT, you know, that's going to be his happy place. Um, and I do, I do believe him in, in, in what he was, and it took him a second there to try to articulate that, I think, but I understand, I, I believe him when he was saying, you know, look, Billy Gunn standing on the stage, everybody knows he's, you know, he was announced as the first producer for AEW, so it's the elephant in the room, and it's very DX, you know, it, it would be, it would be, it would be a, a, a total miss if, if DX of all groups and personalities didn't poke a little fun at the elephant in the room. So that all made sense. I don't think that was a, you know, I, I think that was a very, you know, just a genuine answer of where his head was at. I'm sure that he would like to say more, I, I, but, you know, w- w- what can you, you know, there's not much he can say when he knows that he doesn't have the final say and what's going to happen on Raw or SmackDown. You know, if he has full control, if he's the final say of what happens on Raw or SmackDown, um, you know, you probably you probably see a little... I mean, let's remember, this is the guy that rode on a tank to, to, to invade Nitro. I mean, you know, he probably would you fight some fire with fire and say, okay, you guys want to play? We can take some jabs too. But when, it's, when he can't control that, you know, he's not going to sit here and tell the media. He's not going to make any comments about that. You know, he's going to focus on his happy place. So I, I think... You know, while we all would have probably liked to got even more out of him while we had this chance to talk on the phone with him, you know, I think he answered that about as about as far and as deep as he realistically can can do. Yeah. Uh, so uh, then uh, we'll get to my questions here. I got two in here uh, with Triple H. The first one here I wanted to ask him about. You know, we've heard that the uh, WWE twenty four seven championship and the women's tag titles can both be defended down at NXT, but we haven't seen a whole lot of that. So I asked Hunter here what we can expect from seeing these titles uh, in NXT possibly. Hi, Paul. Uh, thanks so much for taking hey, the time today. Good to see you, or good talk to you. Sure. Um, there's a couple titles yeah. right now on uh, Raw and SmackDown that have been alluded to that they could be defended in NXT as well. Uh, I was just wondering if you think there's a chance we see the 24-7 championship or the women's tag titles uh, in NXT anytime soon. Uh, you, it's definitely a possibility on both. I, you know, the, the ability is there on both. Um, it was... Um, when Sasha and Bailey were the uh, first had the tag team championships, they came down there one time and and uh, just just were in the ring and and uh, talked about it. But um, it's definitely something I would love to have. It it really just comes down to scheduling, you know. Right now, um, you know everybody's pretty busy, so trying to match the schedules up and get everybody where they need to be sometimes. Um, is is the biggest problem, but uh, who knows? Uh, you could you could see any of them at any time. I, I thought it was interesting. You know, he brought up at the top there, Bailey and Sasha brought the titles to NXT, made the announcement, and and never wrestled there. I almost feel like I could hear it in his voice. Like, man, would have been nice if we could have followed up on that. If we could figure out where everybody's got to be Monday through Sunday, you know? Yeah, no, I definitely felt like that. There was that was. A scratch into the surface of that there was maybe a more planned with it of course we've heard a lot of rumblings of what has and hasn't gone right with, with, with the whole sasha bailey as champs so yeah that definitely felt like he there was there, that he's welcomes again he's always been welcoming of you know using as much talent as possible when it makes sense uh for nxt yeah uh well then my second question here uh, i asked him you know of course we got the uh, big fox deal on the horizon here in october a lot of talk right now about nxt possibly uh, being in the mix on Fox when that deal comes up here. So uh, I asked him here, put him on the spot. Uh, are there any updates here about NXT uh, possibly being used by Fox? Uh, cool. Uh, and then um, my last question here, I guess I'll go with, uh, are there any updates regarding how NXT could be used uh, by Fox when you guys make the big leap here in October? 
I mean, we're, we're, we're looking at everything. Um, again, you know, there's a lot of interest in NXT as a brand. Um, you know, it's also very valuable to us on the network. So, uh, that's being vetted through here on every level, um, to see what the best, the best outcome of all of that is. So, you know, we'll get, we'll get there. It's a, everybody's going to have to wait and see as will I. All right, cool. Thanks so much, Paul. Uh, you know, he he did mention, you know, that the uh, the WWE saw value in having NXT strictly on the WWE network, so it's going to be a dollars and cents here thing, right? I mean, if Fox can give them enough uh, in return to bring this over to an FS1 or wherever they would see it, I think they'd make the move. But you know, do, do, do you think there is that much? Is NXT something that a lot of fans are going to the network for right now? Because by and large, I still feel like, you know, yeah, the takeover events, the pay-per-views, that and then some of the specials, that's the stuff that really keeps people there. NXT is, you know, for, for hardcore fans. I don't think the network would be too hurt if if NXT was on an FS1. Well, I, I think I, I think what would have to happen if NXT ever went to TV, I think for it to still feel for, for NXT to still be that cool thing that they do. And he talked and he talked about it in the conversation about how like, you know, um, you know, they, they kind of just, you know, the takeovers, what make the takeovers great is the simplicity. And they've already done all the build and all the whatever. It's now it's just, you know, let, let it be the epic fight scene. I think for NXT to keep its magic, even if it went to TV, there would still have to be some content on the network that was exclusive only to the network. I don't think you can just, I, I think that's part of what makes NXT cool for the diehards is that you do have to go out of your way and be a subscriber to the network and see it. Once it gets on TV, you know, it, you know, the, the, I'm sure they will try to grab some new fans, some casual fans who, maybe aren't paying 10 bucks for WWE network and try to, you know, entice them with these colorful characters and this good athleticism in the ring. But I think, I think the worry, and he's talked about this in past uh, in different contexts. I think, I think he just doesn't want to give everything away for, for free on TV. I think he likes having, having it there on the networks. So I think they would have to probably add, add program. It'd probably have to be, okay, we're going to put this hour or two hours on, let's say hypothetically a Fox, but there still needs to be another hour whether it's the same day or a different day of NXT programming that's only seen on the network. But now you get into the thing of now you're increasing how much content of NXT you have to do. And the increase of content is, is kind of what makes is what he said makes NXT and Raw and SmackDown different is that Raw and SmackDown needs all these writers and producers because of the amount of television. Whereas NXT, it can kind of be kept down to a, you know, a smaller core of creative decision makers because it's less content to produce. So, you know, you run the, you don't want to run the risk of oversaturating and, 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 you know, breaking the machine that is NXT that's working. Yeah. Uh, well, on the note of uh, the, the machine that is NXT, we do have ta- uh, NXT TakeOver 25. Uh, this Saturday night, uh, a new match has been added to the card, Matt Riddle versus Roderick Strong. As soon as I saw this, I thought, man, I'm excited to see this bout. These two seem perfect for each other in the ring. Uh, Triple H was asked on the call uh, if Matt Riddle would be ever be interested in entertaining another uh, MMA fighter or return to UFC, and he said, you know, we're always open to letting people do things outside of, uh, of the WWE if it's right, but right now he thinks Matt Riddle's just having so much fun he doubts that he would realistically entertain another MMA fight at the moment, which I think is fair. You got to change up the whole training style and things like that and your your schedule. Uh, but regardless, Matt Riddle, Roderick Strong here, take over this Saturday night. Uh, this this is going to be something different, something I don't think we would get to see on a Raw or SmackDown. No, and, and you know, and, and Riddle was so entertaining to watch. And you know, to that to that hypothetical, you know, if if UFC was interested, yeah, I mean, Riddle would have to change his training schedule. It's also a case of you know, Matt Riddle. You know, it's not like Matt Riddle got, you know, not like he, you know, he couldn't hang anymore in, in, in MMA. I mean, he, he, you know, he went out, you know, winning. Um, if he was to risk that, 
and go into the UFC and let's say he would you know lose you know and lose handedly and quickly um that might you know that that might deflate some of his um his you know his his entire appeal and just general you know he's he's the he's the bro of all bros but he's also also a tough sob that might deflate a little bit if 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 you put him into a real fight and let's say he does let's say he doesn't you know come out looking good so i you know i don't think right now there would be any there's, there's no real benefit and upside for i don't think for Matt Riddle to even entertain anything like that if that hypothetical ever came around uh well some unfortunate he was here news about another uh nxt superstar rachel evers aka rachel ellering the daughter of paul ellering one of my favorite managers of all time uh she was unfortunately involved in a hit and run with a drunk driver uh luckily the driver hit her passenger side um glad she's okay don't drink and drive people don't be a dick yeah no, this, this is terrible to hear um you know it, terrible to hear here too often you know bill demont i think he lost a daughter to drunk to a, a, a drunk driving situation i think um i think dutch mantel right i think dutch mantel also lost um uh, uh, somebody related to him via, i mean it's just you know and obviously i'm just using examples in the wrestling world obviously there's unfortunately far too many more Tens of thousands of cases of it. Yeah, don't don't drink and drive. Just just call an Uber. Yeah, hundred percent. Uber, Lyft, also support Lyft. They're great. Um, uh, Lars Sullivan, who will be taking on Lucha House Party at um, uh, the Super Showdown next weekend, uh, has officially deleted his Twitter account. And uh, considering what Lars has been through here in the past couple weeks, maybe for the best. You know. Yeah, I'm kind of surprised it didn't happen sooner. Like I'm kind of like we've yeah. had like ever since all the stuff's been out for the last couple weeks. I'm kind of surprised it took till now. Um, I think he was actually following me, so I don't know. I lost a follower. Uh, unfortunate. Uh, Jeff Cobb uh, is going to take on Matt Taven for the ROH World Championship at ROH's Best in the World. Uh, a lot's been made, uh, I see on Twitter, about you know ROH's live event sales right now. Matt Taven on top. I don't really think it's Matt Taven's fault. I don't really just feel like there's a whole lot of organic buzz in general uh, being built in the company. But Jeff Cobb is one of those guys that hardcore fans really do seem to identify with. And, uh, you know, if it is if this experiment here with Matt as the champ going town to town isn't bringing people in, uh, do you think it could be any better with Jeff Cobb on top? Maybe. I don't have a good – I mean, I, I like Jeff Cobb. Uh, I've worked both with him and Matt Taven. I think yeah. they're both, uh, they both bring something to the table. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know if that would be – if that's if that's the answer. I You know, I kind of – and this is a whole other – maybe a whole other conversation and podcast. I, I – you know, everybody's talking about AEW um, – you know, when they get ramped up, you know, what they've done already and, and, and when they get ramped up the fall with TV. Um, I don't know if it's WWE that's going to be the biggest um, victim or the biggest, you know, I, I don't know if they're going to be the most affected as much as maybe, as maybe like an ROH might get affected, you know, with, with, with AEW coming to the market and being as strong as they are. I, that, yeah. I think there might be a whole story there with um, – with, think, with what does this do for ROH's future in the next 18 months? I would not be shocked to see ROH and Impact maybe switch positions on the ladder here. I mean, I, I just, yeah, I'm with you. I think there's a, some self-inflicted wounds from Ring of Honor in a way they've done a couple things that have hurt their standing in the in the, the pro wrestling fan community. Uh, but Impact Wrestling is doing a product right now that is much more in line with what AEW is doing and I think much more in line uh, with the kind of product uh, hardcore fans want right now. I mean, they're just doing a really good product, so I just wouldn't be shocked here to see ROH and, and Impact maybe switch places here. Yeah, I agree. Uh, and lastly here, uh, we have our first big name for StarCast 3 coming back to here to uh, Chicago, Illinois. It's going to be none other than WWE Hall of Famer Mick Foley. Uh, you know, um, Bret Hart was at Double or Nothing. Mick Foley's going to be here at StarCast 3. We talk about all the young, fresh talent that is jumping from one side to the other. It's going to be, we're going to start to see 
who who has maybe not been a big fan of WWE and Vince uh, over the years from a legend's perspective going forward. I'm not insinuating uh, maybe that with Mick, but his his daughter was sitting ringside with Double or Nothing, and with WWE going after talent that they that they've got under contract uh, in any regards. Uh, I was a little surprised to see Mick be the first one in line for Starcast Three. Let me just say this too. Well, for two things. Uh, one, I, I I never got to talk to you about this, but I you know. I'm kind of curious and, and dig into this because, you know, Bret Hart, he's on a Legends deal with WWE, we assume. Um, and I know that from some talking to some other Legends, and every Legends deal can be different depending on what value WWE sees in you and what they want to still do with your with your, with your, with your marketing. But I was under the assumption a lot of those Legends still couldn't, while they can do indie, while they can do like conventions and signing and stuff like that, and maybe even make appearances on indie shows, that they can't appear on any other like wrestling TV or DVD. So one, I'm kind of shocked that that Brett appeared on a live pay-per-view for another company. I don't know. Again, don't know his deal. He don't care. And then the mix. What's that? <laughs> he don't care. Brett don't care. <laughs> right. Um, and then, but to the Mick Foley point, I just want to throw this out there. And I'm not suggesting, you know, not suggesting this is going to happen. And, but, you know, Dean Ambrose's first tease of a storyline that never came to fruition was the very organically done and went viral video of him provoking mcfoley at a hotel wrestlemania weekend Ooh, i know where you're and going with this yeah so i'm just i'm just gonna leave i'm just gonna stop there. that would be quite a way to go all out wouldn't it be john moxley versus mcfoley and I, again and i don't know i mean i mean mick mick seems to be happy not wrestling anymore i know he did say for the right amount of money he'd do saudi um but i mean maybe it's not even a man i don't know i'm just saying that if mcfoley's doing starcast it's obviously very possible that he pops up on you know an AEW show and and John Moxley is now there, and that, you know, that there was a whole lot of buzz, and I and I think that it, it I think that it didn't go anywhere else because I think there was you know mixed health and just you know I and mean, again as we hear you know, WWE creative things are constantly changing and dominoes falling, but now it's a whole different ballgame. So at this time, it is my pleasure to welcome to the show a CZW Hall of Famer, Sick Nick Mondo. Nick, welcome to the Winkley. Nick, thank you for having me. I'm excited to chat. Now, you are a CZW Hall of Famer. I did get a chance to do some research on you. You've bled a lot in your life, Nick. You know, like there's a lot of bloody pictures out there of you, but you're also a filmmaker. You directed the the Johnny Moxley viral videos. Is that correct? That's correct. And um, if you can believe it, I've been pursuing film for quite a while. Um, when I was in CZW wrestling in the early 2000s, um, I actually started attending film school. So um, it's it's been a long pursuit, and some things are starting to pop finally. It's been a long road. Well, yeah, tell me about that. Before we get to the Moxley stuff here, you know, what made you make the leap from, like, deathmatch wrestling into, into filmmaking? I mean, how did those two things play off of each other? Uh, it's um, It might be, you know, difficult to see. Uh, from a distance, uh, the correlation, but it's all creation and entertainment and, um, you know, just creativity, basically. So I was always, um, you know, since I was a kid, um, creating, entertaining, you know, as soon as I could get my hands on a, a tape player, on a, a video camera, whatever, just recording sound, recording images and, um, you know, editing and uh, drawing, painting, always, always. So, just expressing thoughts, feelings, emotions, ideas. Um, it's its all very related, I'd say. Well, what drew you to deathmatch wrestling? Why did you decide to put your body on the line and, and, and go through what you went through, Nick? 
It's um, that's not something I can sum up really quickly, but um, I do have a film called The Trade, and um, you can stream this on Amazon Prime, um, or there's a Blu-ray with a ton of uh, bonus features that really goes into depth into the reason why I got into deathmatch wrestling. But besides the action and the adventure and the the fun of um, just the thrill of uh, um, you know taking risks and surviving them. I do really think that there's a dysfunction at the core of, uh, you know, to the extent that I was doing deathmatch wrestling, that level of violence. It's, uh, you know, it's some twisted thinking involved in it. Um, maybe needless to say, but, um, but I always was a thrill seeker and it just, it started to spiral into, uh, you know, upping the ante, um, raising the bar, uh, level of performance that was getting pretty destructive you could say yeah well uh tell me uh tell me about now yeah what is your history like with john moxley how far do you guys go back and and talk to me a little about what you guys were doing together on the scene back in the day yeah i didn't meet john until um he was actually in wwe but i obviously heard about him um, in CZW. And I think the first time I heard about him was, um, right around the time he got signed to WWE. It's his, his promos were just so, uh, legendary and so powerful and impactful. I'm sure that's why he got signed to WWE, um, you know, in, uh, was it 2012 or something like that? Mm -hmm. So yeah, it wasn't until a few years into his run in WWE that, um, we got in touch and just started chatting and, um, you know, he found out about the the trade, my film, the trade, and and was really interested in that. And so we connected on some of those um, levels because he also wrestled for CZW and was involved in the tournament of death. Yep. Um, I participated in the first and second tournament of death events, and so that was the starting point basically for us to connect and talk. Yeah, you guys definitely shared that. Um, now, and that's the thing is, you guys were talking here while he was with WWE. You know, he did this explosive interview with Jericho that dropped yesterday. Um, had he ex- mm-hmm. had he expressed any of the frustrations to you that he had expressed to Jericho during uh, this interview about his time in WWE? Um, you know, I really um, I try not to dig into that too much when I talk to John, and so. It was, as he described in the Talk is Jericho podcast, um, I mean, it was just a text. It was, it, it kind of caught me off guard. Um, just like, hey, man, do you do music video trailer type work? And I just said, yeah, it's one of the things I do. What's on your mind? And it was just, uh, you know, real quick. Hey, um, I mean, the rumors were already, uh, I think I had seen or heard them that he might be leaving WWE. And, uh, as soon as he asked that first question, I thought, huh, what's he want to put together? I'm sure it's related to, I mean, obviously he knows a lot of media people in WWE. And so the fact that he hit me up, I was thinking, okay, well, he's planning his next steps. But um, but no, I don't ask him a lot about that, his his frustrations with, with WWE or anything like that. For sure. Well, Ty, take me through what was going through your head here then as you guys get a little deeper into it and he starts to explain to you uh, what he's looking to do and, and what he wants these uh, these videos to look like. Well, I was immediately excited. Um, I've been pursuing different things here in Los Angeles, but recently my focus has been 
um, on stunts and fighting for the screen basically. Um, and so I've been training a lot. And, uh, when, when John hit me up about this video, it's, it's one of those things where you just kind of drop whatever is in your hands and say, I'm, I'm listening. I was, as he described what he wanted to do, I, I told him a couple of times, like, John, like th- this is, this is going to make waves like this. <laughs> this is huge what you're doing. Um, you know, I can't think of a case of where somebody has done something like he has before people, other people have left WWE on bad terms and it just doesn't go well because if you stir up heat with them or like leave before your contract ends, that sort of thing, you know, there's a no compete clause. I I don't presume to know their whole contract situation, but he just, you know, faithfully carried out all of his duties and then let everybody assume he's maybe going to retire or take a break, but no, he has a different idea. So I was tremendously excited to be a part of this. Yeah. And talk to me a little about like, what was the pressure like for the air of secrecy around this? Because I'm not going to lie. You know, as soon as I heard all the rumors, you know, I'm in the pro wrestling journalism game. I've been hitting up everybody for any ounce of info I could get about what is going on with Mox. And I couldn't get hardly anything. I mean, what was, was the pressures like of trying to keep something like this under wraps? It was amusing. Um, I saw, I, I couldn't believe, especially after this video dropped, all the speculation um, swirling, you know, AEW produced this video and even people convinced, like, this is clearly WWE working with John to rebrand him and bring him back and all this stuff. And so it was hysterical. I just, I, I knew this was going to be big but it was bigger than I thought it was going to be. Um, so we barely told anybody. It was just um, myself and um, uh, Jesse Kester, my buddy. He was the director of photography. And then Ben Trandum, he helped with a bunch of props, building the fake walls um, and things like that. And then a buddy of mine, Joe Dressel, did the, the, the titles. So that was pretty much the team. And I trust these guys. I've worked with them for a long time. I knew they wouldn't talk um but boy we wanted to we really (laughs) but it was it was more exciting it was more exciting and getting so much mileage out of this like i'm sure aew even sold a bunch more pay-per-views just because everybody's wondering is john going to be there because they have no idea who made this video so it was it was beneficial to stay quiet so was was the idea already there for moxley to go to aew when you made the video or was this something where you guys made the video and after aew saw it they were like oh what are you doing here can we talk would you like to come work for us yeah with john i don't even really ask him those questions because um you can tell he doesn't want to feel nervous that secrets are going to get out. Um, but, but to answer your question, I don't think he even quite knew what he was going to do. It was just, I want to prepare to let everybody know I'm free. I'm available. Um, so I, I know I'm sure everybody in the wrestling world, every company was hitting him up, but at the time we made the video in late February, no, I don't think he even knew what he was going to do. And so, so that helped. Um, you know, but I, I wasn't gonna, right away when he hit me up, I I said to him, um, I said, you don't need to answer or even comment on this, but I said, I, I assume you're going to AEW. And so this and that, I was just trying to imagine how we would make this video, but, um, but I didn't know. And I don't think he knew at that point where he was going.
Okay, because there was uh, one little tease that kind of, I mean, everything about this video got broken down. It was like the Sapruder film of, like, wrestling tapes, you know? And there's that one shot of him in front of the Vipers, uh, uh, Viper Room logo where there's the dice that have the two and the five. And that, I think, was the thing that everybody honed in, like, oh, that's the clue for Double or Nothing, because their show's on the 25th. You know, Double or Nothing, there's a pair of dice. Would, was that something you intentionally dropped in there as, like, a possible tease, or was it just coincidence? It was hysterical because that was coincidence. Um, the fact that those numbers were there, it's, it's something we didn't even think of. And there were the opening shot in that video is a bunch of tick marks on the wall in the prison. And people were saying the, the tick marks that are exposed in the light um, equal 25. And so that's clearly, you know, two and five for a couple or nothing. It's, it's just so funny how that happened. I mean, I, I drew those tick marks on the wall right before we shot, and I was just trying to make enough to fill the frame and check in with, with Jesse, my DP, like, hey, is that enough? And, and uh, oh, there, we're, now we're good. Um, <laughs> it was it was beautiful. Like, I, I, it was so fun to see how invested people were in this and, you know, beyond what we intended with the imagery. It was It was fascinating. Yeah, yeah. Well, it was, like I said, it was like the Zapruder film. You know, I asked a million people about this thing, and I got a million answers back. And like you said, everybody seemed to find something in it, you know. Um, <laughs> what, what was what was the creative process like? Uh, uh, you know, you touched a little bit on it here, but, like, how much of the ideas for the, the locations and the symbolism were his, and how much of what finally wound up on the, the screen was uh, was ideas of yours? John's uh, John's idea was to be um you know in prison and then he gets out and uh it was it was pretty simple the concept that he sent to me but you want to know what's funny is um as a reference he had sent me the teaser trailer to uh venom and i watched that thing and that was when my heart kind of sank i just thought oh my gosh he just sent me a trailer for a hollywood movie I, I wonder if he doesn't understand how complicated these things are and how much they cost and all this. And so I sat down overnight and I banged out a treatment I, and I sent it to him and he got back all excited, like, Oh, whoa, you want to go all ambitious on this? He's like, that, that's great. And I, I said, I thought you wanted to go ambitious on this. <laughs> and so it was kind of a misunderstanding, but he, he loved the concept. And so we went with it. Um, but he would get a bunch of um, random ideas for just specific visuals he wanted to see. And, and that helped form the idea. Like he, he said, I just see an image of my hand closing around barbed wire. And when he said that, I was thinking, well, how can we make that make sense? Okay, well, if he's, if he's running, he's climbing a fence. It has barbed wire and razor wire at the top and his hand gets caught. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's kind of how he thinks like he'll get these specific visuals and then I built the context around them. Um, you know, he, he wasn't actually imagining himself breaking through a wall, but when he imagined himself getting out of prison, I was just thinking, what's a, what's a dramatic and really expressive way we can do that. And well, let's, let's have him break the wall, you know? Yeah. So. Shades of Chris Jericho. I definitely, you know, again, it's like, it's nice talking to you because I guess I've like thought about all the symbolism in this video and I can actually ask you about it, but Kind of shades of Chris Jericho, I felt like, Break the Walls Down, who's, you know, obviously they have a lot in common, as they said in the podcast. But the other one was uh, the uh, the Hounds of Justice, the dogs that were chasing him. Was that an allusion to the shield? 
it wasn't. Um, and, uh, yeah, some people thought like, oh, he's escaping the shadow of Roman Reigns and all this. And like, no, 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 we're not, we're not trying to diss anybody in, in WWE. Um, you know, especially nobody in particular, um, showing him just breaking out of, uh, you know, feeling creatively stifled, I guess you could say, but no, I was, um, in my mind, I just wanted to have as many people as possible coming after him and just ratchet up the tension. So, you know, he, he gets out and the problems are compounding and everybody's coming after him. The authorities, you hear the sirens going, the dog is running. Now here come the police. And so, um, yeah, that was that was all the intention was there. Yeah. Uh, again, it's, again, it's even like you say, the authority coming after him. It's like, who is this? Vince and Steph and Shane McMahon, right? You know, I guess we all thought too hard about this. Um, <laughs> what what was the timeline like between the prison break video and the Time's Up video that you guys would do for New Japan? Uh, between creating those? Yeah. Um, you know, the... So the primary shoot with John on the uh, prison break video was only like uh, two days that we shot. Well, it was one just partial day in the evening when he got into town and then we let him sleep in the next day and um, then began like a crazy, like 15 hour day um, started like, I don't know, midday, late morning and went all the way into early in the morning with him. Um, and then it took about two weeks for post-production and working with Joe Dressel to do the titles and all that stuff and various drafts. And there are some visual effects in there. Um, but man, I think it was only like, uh, maybe three weeks after the first one that we, we shot the second one. So, uh, yeah, I think that's about what it was. Okay. And with this one, the time's up video, you know, obviously it's just you and Mox, you know, in the foxhole here with a couple other guys, like you said, you know, you know, freewheeling, making this prison break video, but the Time's Up video, you know, this has ties to New Japan. Was there was it a different process here? Did New Japan have any input in what they wanted you all doing? So they basically wanted him to respond to um, Juice Robinson's open challenge, and but I think they wanted a video where he, um, you know, actually says, I'm coming for you, or something like that, but John preferred his, you know, his actual return um, to wrestling outside of WWE to be um, in person rather than in a video. And so it was his request that he be kept a secret. And so that was the compromise with them. Um, you know, they, they wanted him actually responding, but he, he would prefer to do that in person, which was basically you know, what happened at AEW at the big pay-per-view, which I didn't even know that was going to happen. Um, again, I don't, I don't have ask him any of these questions just because sure. I don't want him burdened with too many people knowing. Um, but I, I was watching the pay-per-view live and I, I was popping huge when he came out. That was, that was such a cool surprise. Dude, I was there. I was sitting right in the press room. Oh. I was, dude, I was in the building. I was sitting right next to Bill after and I was sitting right behind mm. Dave Meltzer and, and Ryan Satt and a couple of the others. And, dude, I felt the ground underneath my feet shake. And there's, I, I don't know that uh, I've ever been to a wrestling show where I've had that kind of energy there, you know? That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Yeah, that's, again, that's why I don't ask him. I mean, 
I'm interested in what happens here in wrestling, but I, I just want to make more of this, uh, more of these videos. I, I want to work with more talent. That's, that's my primary interest. And so, um, I just sit back and watch whatever happens. And I, I was glad I didn't know that for AEW. That was, that was phenomenal. Have you gotten hit up by any more WWE talent? That's like, Hey, you know, uh, I'm thinking of making a move. You, you seem to work real well with Moxley. I'm game. Um, I, I definitely want to do more of this. And, um, I'm at the point where I'm not, I'm not a huge, uh, wrestling fan currently, but what's happening right now is starting to really pull me back in. My interests are more cinematic, but you know, I used to be in the wrestling industry and so I have a real good understanding of how it works yeah. and I know how to work with talent. And so, um, you know, I, I would love to bring more of this cinematic aesthetic to, to wrestling. I'd be very excited to do that. Well, it was it was interesting because as soon as I saw Mox was the Times Out knife guy or Times Up knife guy, I mm-hmm. I was like, oh, this I should have known because these videos both felt kind of dark and well produced the same way. Was there a worry that people would maybe put two and two together and figure out it was Mox in the Times Up video before the before the official reveal from New Japan? There really was. Yeah, we were like. Oh boy! Like because the 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 second video was released, I think it was just four days after the first one, three or four days, and mm-hmm. so we thought, man, maybe this is going to be impossible to hide it. And he wanted some red herrings in there. Um, he he just said, let's do something with a Union Jack um, flag and and maybe some um, oh cowboy. He wanted cowboy boots, and uh, his character was known for Jack Daniels, I guess, in WWE, and so we. You have to look for it, but but his character is sitting there drinking tequila, and then when the beer bottle breaks, I, I I got a bottle of Asahi Japanese beer, and so this was just to kind of throw people in different directions, and it worked. It worked a little bit too easily that one. Um, <laughs> the yeah, the Union Jack really threw people off, and some people thought it was uh, is it uh, uh, James Brooks? Is that his name? Is a guy in the UK. Um, some people, some people were sure it was him. Um, I think that's his name. Pardon me. Um, something Brooks, but, uh, I saw that floating around and then some people thought it was a certain Japanese wrestler. So yeah, it, it, it just kind of culminated into a, well, I guess we don't know who it is. Maybe it's a new talent from the UK debuting and then it just kind of fizzled out. And then we drop it and everyone's like, Oh, we should have known. So yeah, that's how I felt. Uh, I, I'm pushing right up here at the 20 minute mark. Do you do you mind if I get just a couple more minutes here to, to pepper you with one or two more questions, uh, Nick? I'm I'm fine. Yeah, I canceled. Uh, I was I was going to go train with some people this morning, but I'm not going now, so that's that's fine. Okay, great. Uh, well, since you are uh, a CZW Hall of Famer, Moxley obviously loves deathmatch wrestling. You love deathmatch wrestling. You got Joey Janela. You got Jimmy Havoc right now in AEW. I've talked with these guys. I know that they want to try to make deathmatch wrestling go mainstream. I mean, do you think that's possible that that the mainstream audience can get behind deathmatch wrestling with with the guys we have in play right now? I don't. um, And it's not a knock on their talent at all. If you're talking deathmatch wrestling, there's a difference between hardcore wrestling and deathmatch wrestling. And, I mean, maybe I'll be proven wrong, but to assume that the mainstream wrestling crowd is going to absorb and accept deathmatch wrestling is kind of uh, 
presumptuous. I mean, it's, it's meant to shock. It's meant to disturb. And, um, so I, if you're talking like the ECW hardcore style and they did bring out, you know, they did do some no ropes barbed wire matches and stuff like that. Um, man, you know, I, I've, I've said this for a long time. I don't think death match is ever going to be mainstream, but the wrestling business is changing. So I guess I'm backpedaling a little bit. I can't imagine it happening. Um, to answer your question, I, I imagine if they do some of it, it's going to kind of split the crowd a little bit. Some are going to say it's too much and be disturbed. Um, I mean, uh, Dustin lost a ton of blood at, uh, that AEW pay-per-view and people seem to love that match, but, um, it's, it's hard for me to imagine, you know, a 200 light tubes match, um, at an AEW pay-per-view. Maybe I'll be proven wrong, but I, I, I think real stiff, good, hardcore wrestling tables, breaking a little bit of blood is probably what's going to get big and be popular attitude era. WWE type stuff, but but full on death match. I, I don't know. I kind of don't think that's going to go mainstream. Okay. Uh, now you uh, you had mentioned to me you are a member of both SAG and AFTRA. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. And are they, aren't they? I'm just side thought here, just nerdy uh, Hollywood stuff. Are they the same now? Are SAG and AFTRA blended? Is it really just SAG, or is there two separate entities right now? They're joined together. So yeah. Basically, when you join SAG, you're, you're SAG-AFTRA. That's what they say. So, yeah, I, I wish I could tell you um, the specifics about both um, entities, but I just know that they've merged. So, okay. Yeah. Well, the reason, I, the reason I bring it up is obviously, you know, AEW is going to be on primetime TV here starting in October. WWE has been in, on primetime TV on cable and it will be about to be on broadcast TV here. Um, do you think that uh, uh, pro wrestlers at that level – should be welcomed into SAG-AFTRA? And, and why has nobody from SAG-AFTRA ever made an attempt to welcome them in, do you think? That's a really interesting thought. I haven't really considered... Um, I, I I don't think most wrestlers in broadcast TV, I don't think they're SAG-AFTRA. But, um, so that must be outside of their jurisdiction. Um, so, yeah, it, it must be a different a different sort of uh, a setup there, but, um, it would make sense. You know, the, the, how many eyeballs are on wrestling, it would make sense for them to join. Um, it, it took me a while. I had to earn three SAG vouchers before I could join it. It took me about a year and a half, but if somebody wants to immediately, um, make you SAG after there's a, a process called Taft Hartley, um, based on, I guess, a lawsuit where you can instantly, make somebody a, a, a SAG member. And so it, it could happen. Um, so as wrestling is merging with entertainment and TV in general, maybe you'll start seeing that do you, do you happen. Think, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but do you think that would be good for the wrestlers? Because I believe that would open them up to getting health insurance and other benefits that may not come along with being an independent contractor. Yeah, that's, that's a really good point. I, I do think that would be good. And I'm wondering, I know it's hard for some people to get, health insurance once uh, you're putting yourself at a certain level of risk. But then again, I know stunt people who have health insurance. I don't have health insurance right now. Um, I'm newer to joining SAG-AFTRA. And once you make a certain uh, amount of money, you're eligible to get health insurance. And But I just do know this. it's It's been tough for wrestlers to get health insurance in the past. And so I don't know, you know, a, a lot of health 
insurance providers look at what a wrestler does and say, oh, no, we're not going to cover them because obviously you're going to get hurt, which <laughs> sucks. But uh, um, but yeah, I'd, I'd love to see that happen, though. That'd be great. Okay, cool. Well, hey, uh, Nick, I want to thank you so much uh, for taking the time to chat here with me. Dude, you have been, I mean, this has got to have been hard on you knowing you're kind of at the center of, of all this Moxley energy recently. Uh, what's, uh, what's up next for you? What are you working on right now? Um, you know, John and I are throwing around ideas right now for a full length action film. If you can believe it, um, there's so much hype right now surrounding him that, um, we're, we're going to see if we can get a film made. Um, on top of that, I want to do more of these, these videos. Um, I'm very intrigued by what AEW is doing right now. And so I, I be open to working for them. Um, I don't really know. It's it, it has since he dropped that talk is Jericho podcast. There's there's been a lot of traffic coming my way, and so I'm kind of fielding different things right now. But um, I'm excited, and you know, I I hope this continues. Yeah, man. Well, obviously, it drove me to you as soon as he said the website. I was like, gotta get him, gotta find this guy. I'm so glad I got you today, Nick. Uh, where do you want to send people to find you, follow you, and talk to you, or to to find you and follow you? All those things on social media. Yeah, social media, thank you. Um, just at Nick Mondo Media. And my website is nickmondomedia.com. Um, so if you want to reach out or see, I've got my body of work there, um, both film-related stuff and action fight stunt-related stuff. So, yeah, I uh, look forward to connecting with uh, whoever, and thank you for your time. I appreciate it. All right, so um, you know it's been an emotional roller coaster, I think, in the last couple of weeks for you guys. Um, just getting started, uh, it's been a couple of weeks uh, for the dark side of the ring. Um, a lot of people, maybe those who didn't know your story, history, your family story, history, got a chance to kind of see that and see what it, what it meant, what wrestling was, and why you know it's so important for you guys to continue this family legacy. Um, since the episode has aired, just talk about what it was, what's been like to kind of get the feedback from fans who weren't familiar with your, your family's legacy and, and others who, who were. Man, we, we were, we were really happy with, um, with how that came out with, um, uh, the vice piece because they, uh, they, they captured, um, a, a part of my dad that, um, a lot of documentaries I feel like have, haven't, and, um, and anyway, they, 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 you know, the producers of that show, everybody, they, they were such hard workers, and they, you know, they, they knew they won. And what helped is they were all wrestling fans, and they, they, they genuinely loved wrestling. And so you didn't have somebody that didn't know anything about wrestling make a make a, a, a documentary. But um, uh, we we were we we were so happy with with just the, the outpouring of support that came from it, and then just uh, just how supportive everybody was, or how supportive everybody was that. Um, for my dad, but we think it, it, it was, you know, it got, kind of got everyone to get to know my dad a little better and, and us and see where we stand. And it, it was, you know, we, we couldn't have been happier with it. And uh, just, you know, we all go through tough times, uh, even out, you know, those outside the wrestling business, but seeing the struggle and the pain that your dad had, had gone through um, and then kind of seeing it now, you know, him reliving these experiences and, and, um, having these thoughts of, of even thinking of his own life at one point, um, just what was that kind of like for you to kind of see him open up like that for everyone? You know, it's it, 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 it's this is Ross, by the way, but um, but it, it's rare seeing him seeing him open up like that, you know, and and 
but I, I just think it's a story that needs to be told and needs to be heard, you know, and, and we're like, with, with the, the feedback we got, we couldn't believe it. You know, people were saying it was, it was helping them and people who have dealt with, uh, you know, different things like suicide in their families or, you know, it just makes, I think it makes my dad, you know, relatable and, you know, it's just, you know, we, we all go through tough stuff. And he's, he's trying to use his, you know, he's using his story for good because, you know, um, you know, yeah, I've said this before, but, you know, death can do two things to guys my dad says, but it can make you hard or make you, it will make you hard towards the world or it can make you, you know, compassionate towards others who suffer. And, you know, after going through what my dad was going through and, you know, and, and then seeing people lose a brother, lose a sister, lose a parent, he knows that, that, that pain that that, that, that brings. And, just, and at the time, it's, 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 sometimes it feels like it, it, there's no light at the end of the tunnel and, and you know, and before we're wrestlers, before we're anything, you know, we're you know we're we're followers of we're followers of Christ, and that was I just be a living living example, live it out, you know, and and love his neighbor, love others, and use a story for good. And it's uh, I think a vice piece helps help, help capture that a little bit. And um, <clears throat> over the past couple of years, you guys have have really you know gained some steam. Um, just. How instrumental has he been with with you as you guys continued your career and kind of grew? I mean, you have those big moments over the years in and, and, and Impact Wrestling too. We've seen that. That was a great highlight for you guys. Just um, how important has he been with this process for you guys? I'm sorry. What was that? What was the last question? Oh, I just no, no problem. Uh, how important what, has he been through this process uh, for you guys as you continue to grow and evolve in right. wrestling? So, so when we first started, my, my dad was just extremely supportive, and you know, and uh, he—I think it was—it was him accepting the fact that we were wrestling. Because honestly, I don't think he—he he, he wanted to, us to get into it because he left on, on, you know, when it when it was kind of an ugly side of the business for him. But I think what really brought us all closer is when we came back from our first, first tour from Japan, and we started sharing some road stories and places we've been to, and. Um, and we told him about this one building we went to we, uh, where we uh, we went to the roof and just to get our get our get our heads together, get away from everybody, you know, get alone before the show starts, watch people walk in, and it was uh, it was incredible because my dad said that him and his him and my uncle Dave that same building, same roof, you know, that they they went up on, and it was it was just it was it was weird to see that we're doing the same thing without even trying, doing the same things that our dad and uncles are doing, and. And so, yeah, with the same tendencies, we think the same. And so, to be able to go home and, and share these road stories with Dad, and then we, I didn't think I could relate more with my dad than you know now we are. But he's getting to see a you know a prettier side of the business because, um, you know, it, we, I feel like we'd be we, we'd be foolish if we didn't learn from our our families or um, some of the family's misfortunes and mistakes. And my brother and I, we hold each other highly accountable, and and we stay on each other and. It's cool for my dad to see that part of the business too. It's there, you know, having you know, it's it's it literally is just wrestling. It's just wrestling and love for wrestling. And it's it's having my dad. My dad has been such a powerful uh, figure in our lives. For he he just, he can make it so simple for us. To just uh, is it watching a match with us, going over some stuff, and 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 he's he's definitely been a, a big 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 yeah, biggest biggest help in our career so far. And. Uh... I think what's great, you you mentioned the support system that you both have, and you guys have maintained each other being a tag team for all these years, and now you're making these business decisions uh, together. 
Um, for those that don't know, just talk about, you know, your, your motivations of signing with MLW because I know uh, you spoke in the past about how you actually turned down a developmental uh, tryout uh, for, you know, for potential opportunities outside of WWE. When, when others hear that, they're like, oh, my God, you're not really, you know, you have this opportunity to go to WWE, you're, you're not going to take it. So just talk about what the mentality was like. Just talk about your, your thought process and why you made the decision to sign yeah, with man. MLW. So, so you know, a, a lot of people, um, a, a lot of people thought, you know, that, that we were crazy for, for 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 not for not doing a developmental deal. And um, but you know, it's uh, we at, at that time we were about four. Uh, um, at that time, we 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 didn't feel like we're at the point in our career where we could where we, we could have our best foot forward, and 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 we just didn't we didn't feel like we were ready. And 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 honestly. As well as that is is the the, the schedule. You know, if we would have to move to Florida, we would have to. We, we just knew that there's there's gonna be a lot of life changes, and um, family is one one thing we got from our dad is you know family is important, and um, and we're here in Hawaii, and so we just you know we we, we accept the bookings that, that we can get, and so we've been doing a lot more international stuff, and we're just kind of going through the doors that uh, that, that 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 got open, and then MLW was just a blessing in disguise coming out of nowhere saying that we that we could you know live in hawaii it, it's they, they had our best interest and they're you know they're a family company that they they're they support families and stuff and so they, they were they were behind it behind us living in hawaii and that was our only that, that was our only thing while my dad's in it and his he's in his latter days right now and we, we think this time is important to spend with them and so you know we're we're not we're not going anywhere in this time and, and so mlw is willing to work with that and we, we uh I don't know if a lot of people don't know this, but uh, world-class championship wrestling, when they, when they were first starting in the sportatorium, my grandfather um, actually wanted wanted to use the name Major League Wrestling, and that, but my dad and my uncles thought it sounded too baseball-y, a little Major League Baseball, and um, so they didn't use it. And uh, my dad told us that years ago, and then we uh, this all came about, and we brought it up to my dad, and he was cracking up about it. It's crazy how the cycle of wrestling keeps going. Yeah, the crazy, the cycle of life, and I think it takes a lot of maturity and professionalism, and just shows you the kind of people that you are, that, you know, you're putting your family first, um, there's obviously, you know, the financial benefits are there on the table, but, you know, you, there's more than money uh, in your eyes, and I, and I respect that a ton, but um, as far as for MLW, um, you know, there's other promotions that, you know, might offer a similar schedule, um, did you... Did you get reached out to by other wrestling organizations? I mean, the landscape is so packed and so competitive right now. Um, different schedules, different ways they're presenting wrestling on television. Was MLW uh, the top choice? Did you have other offers besides, uh, you know, the yeah, you know, we we have we we've talked to other promotions, you know, uh, internationally, and and we have people uh, reach out to us saying they want to do certain things, you know, but. Uh, you know, and, and we look at the landscape, and you know, we we know what's out there, and um, and and as far as the product that is that is being put out there, we looked at at MLW and said that would be the best fit for us, and and uh, and before we even uh, had ever talked to them, we were we were thinking that way, and then you know, inevitably they they reached out to us, and we were able to work something out. So we just took it as a sign that it's meant to be, you know, because. We we already had our eye on them and and loved their style, you know, and it, we feel like it works well with our style, and uh, we just really couldn't be more excited to, to just get this thing going. Which, yeah, and I it, think it's gonna be a perfect match. I think a perfect match, and just just like my brother said, it's a it's a it's exactly 
it, it, it's kind of it's still fitting for us. They're, they're, they're promotion. We, we didn't really. I mean, I'm sure we would fit in it, fit in it, or make it work at at, 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 their, at, at wherever we're at. But you know, that we just thought was the most the most fitting for us right now. And it, it's uh, we you know, we just love the product. And uh, very fittingly, you guys are going to be participating in a Texas tornado match uh, with Tom Lawler against Contra Unit. Um, June 1st, that's going to be a big day for you guys. Uh, you know, um, Just talk about how you guys have been preparing for this and how you guys might fit in the landscape of MLW right now as it kind of continues to expand. You, you know, um, um, the, the, what makes MLW different to, uh, for us is, you know, having other promoters – Reaching out to us, that um, they, they can they can expect things from you. But MLW, um, just they they they, uh, they 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 see a lot in us, and they're excited they're excited to use us. And that, that right there motivated us so much because we we um, and and the, just the outpouring of support we've had since 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 some people found out we signed with MLW, the Sports Illustrated, the Viceland. It's it's been it's been it's been it's been a great month for Von Eric. But you know it's. Uh, Honestly, I think it's motivated us more than more than anything because we want to we want to prove MLW right. We want to prove everybody right for you know why they're supporting us. And you know we 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 are we we honor this this monitoring name. We're we are so honored to be monitors. We know we didn't pick it, and it's um, it's 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 just it's and, not, yeah. And as far and as far as what we can bring to the table, I feel like we can. Uh, I feel like we bring that that athletic competitive edge like we're you know we run every day we're we've been athletes our whole life we uh we, we try to eat healthy you know and, and we take it serious and and we try to be professionals in, in all aspects of our life you know and, and we really just want to want to give mlw our best product our, our put our best foot forward for believing in us and and improve the people that believed in us right like my brother was saying and uh you know you guys live in hawaii which is a very unique place to uh, the professional wrestlers. Um, just talk about uh, how you guys are going to now juggle the schedule of MLW with your other commitments and other promotions like in Japan and, and others, and just how maybe that might change a little bit now moving forward. Well, well an- another benefit with the MLW is, is um, they're willing to work with, our, uh, with us and our schedule, and, our, and, our, and they know we, we go international and like to do things in, in you know, Japan, Israel, UK, and uh Ireland, all these different places, and and uh, they're fully supportive of that. And really, they just came and they said they they want to get behind us, and 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 that right there is is probably one of the most motivating things for one of the yeah for for us to hear that. That's that's a uh, that's that's all that's all we need. And uh, you know, uh, besides you guys uh, coming in, there's such a you know you have these generational wrestlers, the Hart families represented. Um, Brian Pillman is represented with, through his son, Brian Pillman Jr. Um, do you feel kind of like a kinship? Do you feel a closeness, a bond, an unspoken bond between that, those who are in the industry, like you guys? That, that's funny you said that. It's, we did a um, we did a we did a Super Eight in Philadelphia for um, the ECWA, and it was um, second and third generation wrestlers. And any time I've ever been in the locker room, my brother feels the same. Any time we've been in the locker room uh, with any any generational wrestler, there is a kinship, like just a kind of just walk up and it's, I, mean, I don't know, like, uh, we, we had dinner after the show, we all had like a same kind of story. It was, it was, it was crazy. It really was like a world. And he goes, we were filming, 
Brian Pullman Jr. And yeah, wasn't, wasn't really expecting that either. And um, you find that, you know, you have all these uh, all these things in common with these guys. You know, they kind of grew up in a similar sort of way. And uh, we've met uh, Baby Boy Smith over in Japan. And so, I, I don't know, it was just a you know, it was just a great experience for us. And, and we can't wait to get to uh, the MLW where there's a lot of a lot of second generation guys and, and maybe maybe more possibly coming in the future. All right. And um and lastly, uh with Father's Day coming up, is there anything you guys have planned uh for your dad? We we would like to we'd like to give him a, a big fat W with with our MLW debut. But it, it, we'll see we we'll see how that goes. But on on the other hand we're probably we're probably gonna take him uh, deep sea diving. That's usually that's usually what's on the agenda living in Hawaii. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you guys so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Congratulations on all the success, and we're looking forward to seeing uh, what you guys do in MLW. Man, I appreciate it, Scott. Thanks, thanks for the awesome interview. Yeah, appreciate thanks, it, brother. I appreciate it, man. Yeah, no problem. Take care. Bye. Thank you to Justin for joining me at the top of the show. Thank you so much for Nick Mondo for dropping everything to do that interview with me this morning. Couldn't have paired anything better with all the talk we had about Moxley on the show here today. And also thank you to Scott Fishman for sitting down with Ross and Marshall Von Eric. These are two guys that I've wanted to have on the Winkley for a while now. Uh, trust me, I had to knock on several doors to make that interview happen there. And uh, I was going to be in transit the only time we could make it happen. But Scott Fishman, wonderful, jumped in, took care of it, did a great job. Uh, so thank you to everybody involved. If you want to support the show, you want to support the site, of course, there's the iTunes page. Uh, but you can also go over to the Pro Wrestling Tea Store for Wrestling Inc., buy an old school logo shirt or our Jack Journalist shirt. And tomorrow afternoon, I'll be back with Raj Geary, 2 p.m. Central, over on the Ringside Wrestling app, talking the top five stories of the wink. I uh, can't wait to bring that to you. Uh, Justin, what do you want to plug, promote, put over here to wrap up the show? Give me an old follow on the social media at Justin Lamar. Wonderful. I'm at Wink Rebel over on Twitter. The news never stops. It's popping and locking and dropping and everything in between. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, if you winked, you didn't miss it. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at trylifemd.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com.